Good morning. How is everybody? Excellent. Okay, I have some house giving duties to do. The first thing I need to do is get the scripture read so Jazz can go to class. So if you would stand with me and ask Jazz and Nicole to come, he's going to read the scripture for us this morning. I'm Jazz. Come quickly. First Samuel fifteen, uh, sorry, sixteen one to thirteen. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go if Saul hear it? He will kill me. And the, and the Lord said, Take a, take a heifer, with thee, heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call, the, and call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint, anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peace, peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And, and it came to pass when they were come and that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Hither. 
and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come before you and to share your word, to break the bread of life. Father, I pray for the hearts of the, the listeners that they would be open to receive your word and that it would be seed planted that would bring forth fruit. We thank you, Father God, for Jermaine as he speaks. Lord God, let your spirit speak through him. And let your anointing rest on him and let your life go out of him to the people, Lord God. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. How is everybody this morning? Are you guys excited about life? Excited about what God is doing? I am. I don't know about anybody else, but I am excited about what God is doing. I, um, I promise I won't be long. I only have like four, I think it's like 4,600 seconds. And based on the time, it looks like half of that is gone. So I may only have like 2,000 seconds left to share those words. So if I, if I speak a little fast, it's because the seconds are moving every second. All right. And um, I want to first of all thank Pastor Randy for another opportunity to share the word. I don't take it lightly. I'm looking right into the camera. I don't take it lightly. I understand the importance of this podium. Um, God gave me a word after getting a text. And I said to Nicole, what you think? After getting the text, that is. She said, what you think? I said, well, the Lord didn't give me the word. I said, okay. So I hit yes. Okay. And uh, then I got a response. Love and kisses. And I was like, Sister Christine, she sent a kiss, the text. How the response, how the response was. But our <coughs> title today is Four Keys to Living a Fearless Life in Christ. And how many of you ever had some fear? Any of you ever fear something? I don't know about you, but I fear some things. And um, when I looked, I, I got a... A definition from Google, fear is the word we use to describe our emotions, reactions to something that seems dangerous. But the word fear is used to another word, another way, to, to name something a person often feels afraid of. People fear things or situations that make them feel unsafe or unsure. I want to also thank all of those who tuned in, who's tuning in online. One of the things we don't realize is that people are always watching here at Cloverdale, okay, when, when the service is going on. I know I have some friends and some family members back home that's watching. I want to thank you for tuning in and keep me in prayer because this is, this is going to be the shortest message I ever share, okay? My mom is over there smiling like, yeah, 
right, short. So we get, we're not getting too deep. My opinion, there's two types of fear. There's good fear and there's bad fear. The first, let's talk about good fear. Good fear is what keeps you out of the street when the car comes in, right? You ain't walking in the, you ain't walking in the street when the car comes in. Good fear is one of those, when you eat your food, you always make sure it's cooked. Some of us sniff, of course, based on where you get the food from, you stir it around just to make sure everything is right, correct? That's good fear, <laughs> all right? And then there is, like, for instance, for me, I got a fear of taking drugs. That's why I don't take it. I don't know about you. You know, I know some people differ around here, but for me, I know what drugs can do. And my biggest fear is I'm, I'm, I believe I'm already a little unstable. I don't need anything else making me more unstable. <laughs> All right? Um, so that's good fear. Then we got bad fear. Bad fear is when we, like for instance, a lot of people are fear speaking in public. You realize that? That's not a view in here. All of you in here can stand up and speak. That's one of the things I admire about Cloverdale. I, I, there isn't anyone here that I haven't seen who runs away from the mic yet. You know, I know Steve, Steve speaks from sitting there, but he speaks, right? He, he see, he's, not scared, he's not scared to talk. Uh, he, okay. <laughs> um, and then there's th th that bad fear. I got a story about bad fear. How many persons scared of needles? Anybody scared of needles? Lord forgive them, okay? But me, I, I'm scared. I was scared of needles as a child. At about eight or nine, tell you a story very quickly. At about eight or nine, my father was building a, I guess, a awning for a porch in front of our house. I was about, like I say, eight or nine, and he had these two by eight lined off, leaning off on the side of the wall. And I looked at that, and as a nine, eight or nine-year-old, I saw what? A slide. See, Shelly saw it. I, I saw a slide. So immediately I jumped on that two-by-eight, and I started sliding. Woo! Woo! And my dad said, Jamin, don't do that. And I'm like, woo! And about the, about the fifth row, I went up. And immediately, I got up, looked around, see if anybody saw me, and I walked or wobbled to my room, to my bed. And all day Friday, I was in my room, in my bed. All day Saturday, I was in my room in my bed. Now, I can't remember what happened Sunday, because Sunday usually, I used to walk to church before the family, okay? I, I had this thing where I needed to be to church, so I used to walk. I can't remember if I went that Sunday or not, but I do know Sunday evening I was in my bed. I got up for school Monday morning, and my mom was fixing breakfast, and I think she probably, she had a closer look at me, and I was not sitting on the chair, like how I was supposed to be sitting on the chair. And she said, come here, boy. And the first thing came out of my mouth is, I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the doctor. She said, doctor? And she pulled my pants down, and she pulled out this three-inch 
thorn or splinter. I didn't go, ooh. But because of the fear of needles, not so much doctors, you know, needles, for almost two and a half, almost three days, I wobbled around with a thorn in my, yeah. That's bad fear. <laughs> okay? That's fear you don't want to be, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to battle with. Things that can be dealt with like that, you struggle and you take the pain of not wanting to do something. And we have a lot of us are like that when it comes down to our dreams and our goals. We fear, to, we fear, we fear of seeing injustice and not being able to, to speak out to it. Now, our focus this morning when it comes down to being fearless is going to be on our friend named David. Everybody know David? But I'm going to focus in on David and Goliath. Simply because I think that was, that was such a fearless thing that David did, slaying Goliath. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn, but I only have four points that I'm going to pull out that will help us to live a fearless life in Christ. I, wanted, I want you guys to picture something now for a minute. Goliath is about nine feet, nine inches tall. That means he's a little taller than the ceiling. He's filled with brass armor, okay, from bottom to top. He has a brass helmet. He has a man that carries a shield of the size of the man, and he is taunting the Israelite soldiers every day. They said for 30 days, every day. Here comes David, who was anointed. His father sends him to send some cheese. I almost saw there's something else, some other stuff he sent him for his brothers. And David reached the war ground, and everybody's somewhat in the front, trying to figure out if they can go to battle or not. Goliath comes out, does what he normally does. And everybody starts, the Israelite soldier starts to go back to their tents. And David is sitting there, standing there, sorry. And he's upset. He's upset because here is it. This uncircumcised Philistine is cursing his God. And is daring any one man to come out and face him. And he's sitting there and he was like, But here's, here's what comes to David's head. What is the king going to give me? What's the king going to give the man that kills that guy? He didn't say, well, I, can, I wonder what it's going to take to kill this guy. He says, I wonder what the king is going to give the guy that kills that Goliath guy. Now, because Goliath has been doing this for the last 30 days, I think nobody on that field for the last 30 days even mentioned wanting to fight him. So word got back to the king... Word got back to the king that there's a, there's, a, there's a guy out there talking about fighting Goliath. So he went to the king and Saul say, you, who you is? You, you only a lad? And David, <laughs> David starts, to, starts to tell him about how he killed a bear and he killed a lion. So that uncircumcised Philistine is nothing for my God. Amen. Nothing for my God. This is, what David, this is what David tells him now. And so I guess the king said, 
King Saul said, well, <laughs> we ain't got nothing else to lose. Give this guy one sword. <laughs> Give him one, one shield. Let's put our, let's some armor on him and let's see what he could do. David, what we put on that shield and sword was bigger than him. Try to lift the sword. See, that was bigger than him. Threw that to the side and David said, I ain't never proved none of these. But I proved my God and I proved my sling. So I go on. And David, you know the story, goes out there, Goliath continues to, can I laugh? He said, you all send this, this little boy? I'm going to take you apart and allow the birds to eat you and the beasts of the sea to eat you. And David said, yeah, but I'm going to show you. Now, one of the first keys to living a fearless life a fearless, fearless, uh, life, uh, a fearless life in Christ is we have to have the Holy Spirit. John 14, 24 says, King James Version, He that loveth me, not keepeth me, keepeth not my saying, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoke unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whosoever I, whosoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my place, my peace, I give unto you, not as the world gathereth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Saints of God, one of the things that I think we take for granted is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, it has basically gives us an unfair advantage into any situation that we go in. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. He prepares the way before you get there. Anything that you want to do or want to accomplish, he's right there. And he's not just someone that you pray to when you need something. He's, he's an individual. You, you, when you run into an obstacle... When you run into an obstacle, the first thing you should say, well, Holy Spirit, how should I deal with this? Yeah. Anytime you come into some challenge, Holy Spirit, how do I deal with this? And I think one of the keys that David had was the Holy Spirit, because you know he was also anointed. David, did, David was not scared. The next key is rehearsing the things that God has done for you in the past. This is where we lift up the shield of faith. First Samuel 17, 32 37, it says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, and thou art but a youth. And, the, and, he, and, and he, a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, 
Thy servant keep his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear, and I took a lamb out of their flock. I took, he took a lamb out of my flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the bread and smote him and slayed him. Thy servant slayed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. One of the things David did is he relied on the, what God did for him in the past. All of us, God has done something for. All of us, God has done something for. And if we use that to overcome fear, you'll be surprised how much we get done. And you, you may say, well, how do you do that? Well, when I have a challenge, like my most recent big, big, big miracle with God happened in January. And myself, it was January, snow just melted. I had a job call. I had my nephew with me. And I was going onto the ramp. I think I was on 200th Street. And I was going on to Canada 1, going east. East would be towards Hope, right? I'm going east, and I'm driving slow. Because Germans don't drive on snow. I come from sun, sun, and sea. So I'm driving slow. I get out there. I'm driving slow. Everybody's driving slow. And immediately, after about 100 feet out, the car spinned. It spinned facing west. Everyone, everyone was facing me. And the barricade was right there. And I did what I had to do. And I looked at them. They looked at me. And I put the car back in the direction it was supposed to go. And I continued on. That was a miracle. Because I'm not, I'm not a NASCAR driver. And like I tell you, I'm from Sun Sun Z. I'm from snow. So anytime I've had a challenge over the last eight months or seven months or so, I remember God who saved me from that accident. I remember God who saved me from that accident. Who turned, who basically when that car slided, had my feet just, just soft enough where I was not speeding. And just hard enough where the car stayed in motion. And when I turned back, I'm like, look at God. And I drive on. I mean, you should see the people, all of the persons who were facing me, now driving in the same direction, they possibly giving me thumbs up. Like, way, way to go. And they don't understand it. See, I had a covering. I had a covering, guys. And in that covering, I... Every time I go out, I say, I say a prayer. I say, Lord, keep me from ticketing eyes and those who are not paying attention. Keep me alert on the street. One of the things I want you guys to remember is that anytime you face a battle, just remember God did something for you. He did something for you. Just remember what he did for you, and you will watch the muscles grow. You will watch the encouragement comes back. And if for any reason you, you're there and you don't see it, say, Lord, you're the same God. You're the same God that turned me around in the highway. 
You're the same God that introduced me to the love of my life. You're the same God that provides for me every day. You're the same God that has grown my business. These are the things that I remind myself of. I don't know what you remind yourself of, but these are the things, one of the, one of the keys that you can use to be to live a fearless life. Our next key, which is our third key. So I told you I only had 4,600 seconds, and, and they cut it down to like 2,000 seconds. So I'm making good time, Pastor Bob, making very good time. All right? Our second key, third key, sorry. Mm-hmm. Take my time. That page looks like it's at home for true, Pastor Bob. Yeah, what is the third, what is the third key? I know what the fourth key is. Oh, yeah. Stand on God's word and his promises. All of you guys should know that key. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of the power and of love and of a sound mind. Stand on God's word and God's promises. One of the things that David had going for him was that he was taught the word. I don't know if there was other guys on the field, but David was taught the word. Because David got out there, and David said, who does this, who this, who this uncircumcised Philistine is cursing my God? He got upset. See, here's how I know he had the word. Because if those other guys had the word, they would have all given their lives from day one. Remember, David got out there on the field day number 31, or day number 30. And David got, immediately he got upset. This, this, this Philistine dares to curse my God? He gets upset. And he gets upset to the point where he's trying to decide. He can decide he, he, he's already calculated, well, I must be rich for this because this guy gone. I don't know if I, don't know if I was calculating. Sidebar, I was calculating what David made from that slaying. But you guys realize there's a part of the scripture, we're not going to go through it this morning, where when David took Goliath's head to, to, to Israel after the battle, he said to the guys, put that armor in my tent. Put the armor, his armor, Goliath's armor, in my tent. I don't know how many of you saw that. You know what Goliath's armor worth? Brass, all brass, for a nine-foot Six foot, a nine foot, a nine inches man? That's a lot of money back then. But anyway, that's, that's the sidebar. That's, that's the note. David, David made some good money off a of slain Goliath, okay? Made some good money, man. Okay, and then, uh, it was worth it, man. It was worth it. That slaying was worth it. How dare he kill, uh, curse our God. Key number four. They don't need to know who you are. What do I mean they don't need to know who you are? Just listen to this. <clears throat> and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Sorry, guys, that's 1 Samuel 17, 53, 58. 
Okay, and David took the head of, of the Philistine and put it and brought it to Jerusalem, put, but he put his armor in the tent. That's what I was talking about. Okay, and when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abram, Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this you? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this strapling is. And, and as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, thou youth, young man? And David answered, and, and David answered, I am the son of the servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. When you, when it comes down to you being fellas, you ain't got to worry about people around you. They need to know you. They need to know your name. They need to know who your mother is. They need to know if you got a degree. You just stand and do what God has called you to do. Don't worry about, well, there ain't nobody know me here, so why, why I need to do something? Ain't nobody, they, 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 they can say something because they, you know, that, ain't, that ain't their business. You just do what God has called you to do. They don't need to know your name. And in closing, the Lord has people in, in obscurity who are going to rise up in the spirit of David and do mighty exploits. And nobody knows who they are. And you are one of them. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are a mighty God and a mighty king. We thank you that we can do anything that you called us to do. Father, we know that you have made the crooked edges smooth. You've opened doors that only you can open, Father God. And Father God, this morning, we thank you for Cloverdale. We thank you for the leadership of Cloverdale. We thank you for the, the servants of Cloverdale and the members of Cloverdale, Father God. We thank you for being such a mighty God this morning. We just ask a blessing over the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.